welcome to What Would Jesus Tech, a podcast started by two friends who just love talking about technology, but more than that, who love helping one another imitate their true love, Jesus Christ. We are here with Nathan Nathan Sutherland. I can't believe I can't pronounce Nathan. Um, it's in the Bible. I should be able to do that one. But Nathan Sutherland. Um, and and just for context, there are so many Christian uh, podcasts that exist. I don't know how many. There may be 10,000. Um, but then within that, there's, there's only a few Christian technology podcasts. And I would say that his uh, podcast, Gospel Tech, is one of the most practical. He has over 100 episodes, and he is also, in addition to doing that podcast called Gospel Tech, he is the founder and CEO of Gospel Tech, and it's a ministry um, where they equip parents um, in navigating all the different aspects of technology. Um, so thank you, Nathan, for joining. How are you doing today? It's morning over for you, right? Yeah, it is. Thank you, Joel and Andrew, for having me. Uh, excited to be here. No, doing well this morning and really excited to talk about this conversation of, yeah, how do we love God and use tech? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about this story. You know, you wanted to help parents, but you were a teacher at the time. So how did you get into gospel tech? Yeah. So, um, all right, I, I'm going to give you the short version now because I think we can touch on this later. But the short arc of it is um, I was a teacher for 10 years in middle school. So I taught eighth grade language arts, uh, loved absolutely seeing kids kind of break through walls and boundaries they'd set up on themselves of like, well, I can't because they'll tell themselves, basically, I can't, therefore I won't. Therefore, um, no one will ever know that I can't because I'm choosing not to. And I loved watching those kids gain confidence and really seeing the Lord work in their hearts like, hey, you're you're not defined by your limitations. You're defined by what I say about you. Mm. And then came a day when the Lord asked me to give up some tech that's pretty important to me. Uh, and I had some free time in my life. And I was like, I don't know what to do with this time, Lord. That doesn't feel, feel fair. I got involved with a ministry called Young Life. Uh, and in that, realized my passion is seeing kids reach their full potential. And so I realized I actually was going to step out of the classroom for the same reason I got into it, to see kids become everything they were designed to be. So I started a nonprofit. And now, yeah, my full-time job is working actually to reach parents primarily, uh, which is odd. But the reason being, uh, I realized very quickly I wouldn't reach enough kids, uh, that I could I could talk to you know a thousand kids, but if I talk to a thousand parents, I might be reaching two or three thousand kids. Uh, so I talk to parents primarily, and I want to do three things. I want to empower them to talk about healthy technology so they can get those tech wins using tech from hope, not for hope, uh, then understand the gospel and then connect the hope of the gospel to their everyday tech lives. That idea that if we are new creations, we're going to use our tech differently. And I love the visual of like, just think about like the fruit of the spirit, Galatians 5.22. If you just took love, joy, peace, and patience, if you just took those four fruit and only half the people on Twitter applied it. Like, what would the world look like? Like, it would change everything. So I, uh, I'm i really passionate about seeing parents engage that conversation and then help them parent their kids in that and uh, and be seen as the resource for their kids. So it's not, well, Nathan said you can't. It's, hey, let's, let's talk about it. Like, what does God say about who you are and who we are? And does this line up with, with what we want, uh, which is to look more like Jesus? Yeah, that's awesome. And, you know, both Andrew and myself have, young kids, uh, minor three and a half and one and a half. And it's becoming more and more something I'm going to start thinking about, but kind of to set the foundation, what would you say technology is to you? Like, what does that encompass? Yeah. And this is huge conversation. There's entire books written about like, what is technology? Cause at the end of the day, like, I mean, technically, I believe it was Tony Ranke who said like technology is technically anytime a human has influenced nature, right? So a rock tied to a stick is technically technology. Uh, so right. I break tech into 
two categories. I have tool tech, which is any tech that helps us create, and drool tech, which is tech that helps us consume. And we're going to speak specifically digitally in this conversation. So we're talking stuff with screens, stuff that plugs into walls, but they're not all the same. Uh, They're actually designed differently. So when we talk tool tech, tech that helps us create, this is tech that waits for us. Uh, It's tech that we leverage to uh, enhance our ability. So word processing, I can type faster than I can write. I can edit quicker. I can save it on the cloud. I can send it to numerous people to read through uh, over the internet. And, but yet at no point ever has Microsoft Word ever sent me a notification at 11 PM just going, Hey, (laughs) <laughs> been thinking about you. You haven't you haven't been writing recently. I I, I just wanted to know. Do you, it doesn't do that because its goal is to help me write. So it's basically a really fancy word shovel. Like it sits in the corner until I want to go do some hard work with words, and then I come out and I I start typing again. Uh, that's tool tech, and AutoCAD fits in that, and uh, making videos count fits in that. Right? Anything that's driven by me, and when I stop working, it stops working. A shovel. So that, a shovel would be. It, it's a tool shovel. Tech. <laughs> yep. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, and so on the good. flip side, you have drool tech and drool tech isn't bad, but it is designed with a different goal. So whereas tool tech is always designed to help you accomplish your goals, drool tech wants to offer you some resource. So you want to be amused. So you go to watch a show or you want to have some fun with friends. So you go play a game, but it also wants to take your time, your focus and your money. And it's designed to do that. Uh, there's any number. So notifications are designed to do that. Infinite scroll is designed to do that. Uh, likes and followers are designed to do that. Like there's any num- points, rewards, levels. Those are all designed to increase engagement and to stop user exhaustion where you'll get tired of it and go to something else. It's to keep you longer than you wanted and to get you to pay more than you intended. So uh, again, it's not bad, but the problem with drool tech, the reason we have to have these two categories is when parents run into issues with their kids and go, well, why is my child fighting me on this technology? There's a good chance the tech is actually fighting you. That you've said, hey, you've got one minute left and the tech goes, you could probably get two. Just finish this next thing, right? I've got another goal for you. Yeah, you should listen to your parents after you do this other thing that I think is really important for you. And that's, as we talk with our kids, what we want to keep in mind is that yes, our child is being disobedient, but sometimes the tech is encouraging that. And so it's not just, well, discipline your child well enough. Sometimes it's, hey, we need to manage the tech that they're using. And maybe it's not the right time, the not right place. Maybe it's not the right kid for some of these technological options that are really neat, but maybe unhealthy in seasons. Hmm. Yeah, it's a really good framework, yeah. Let's continue down that. And it's funny because the framework, like if you read the Tony Ranke book, like he talks about a framework similar. Andy Crouch has talked about devices and instruments and the difference between. It's so good, right? Like an instrument, like a musical instrument, you're creating with it. Whereas a device is doing something to you and consumption versus creation. It's very helpful to have this. Okay, so then we want our kids to create and then not consume. Like, is is it the complete avoidance of drool tech no so what is it what it like what do we do with that drool tech yeah i i mean i think first we need to understand what it is and the second is understand how it works so i think that's where a little bit of and i i won't too deep dive today but the idea that this is basic behavioral psychology i mean we talk about operant conditioning so it starts in the 1940s with the hebbian theory of learning that neurons that fire together wire together and this idea by dr donald hebb that uh, that if you do something repeatedly, you get good at it for better or worse. Like it's just your neurons do adjust your behavior, which was mind blowing because behavioralism was running psychology at the time. And now in 2023, we now understand true behavioralism is a myth. We're not biological machines that can only do what our DNA says. In fact, 
we can impact our epigenetics. We can turn on and off signals in our DNA strands based on our behavior. We can mold the shape of our brain based on our choices. And that's good sometimes. We can fight against things that, uh, I mean, uh, the uh, Norman Doidge's book talks about, uh, it's the brain that changes itself, um, talks about basically lots of different situations, good and bad, where people adjust their brain. In one case, a woman loses her inner ear. Uh, so the physical thing that helps us balance is fried on her and they use her tongue to retrain her how to balance. That's mm. that's not a thing that happens, by the way, uh, but her, her tongue, so the, the basic premise is they put a retainer in her mouth that stipples. So when she looks down, it like stipples the front of her tongue and like taps the back of her tongue if she goes left, the left side. And effectively over the course of several months and then, then in, into a year, she regains her sense of balance by training her tongue how to know where her brain is. That's how sensitive our tongues are. And her brain is able to adapt to that as a balancing thing. So she goes from completely incapable of living independently and loses her job and can't drive to independent living again on the flip side. So that's from repeated training. Your brain can adapt to it. Flip side, he talks about sexual addiction and pornography and what that does to a brain through repeated exposure and feeding this, this monster of desire. And he's not a Christian, but he's like, that's, this isn't good. And, but you got here not from a single time of seeing pornography, but from repeated training. So Norman Doidge addresses this, uh, Charles Schwab and, uh, Schaub, I'm, it's not Schwab, <laughs> it's Schaub. Uh, but, uh, the mind and the brain talks about, uh, he uses kind of the, the concept, I believe, is a Buddhist one, but mental force. And what he's trying to address is this concept of neuroplasticity, this idea that even people with OCD, which is one of his main things he talks about, uh, is in working with people who are processing OCD, that you can actually train your brain into a healthy space to understand where your OCD is and how to engage it. We don't simply... He uses an example. One guy was constantly worried that he had hit someone while driving every bump in the road. He was sure. And so he'd drive for hours and his compulsion would not let him get anywhere. And so the one doctor had been like, well, just remove the mirror. So he can't see what's behind him anymore. Uh, and they're like, that doesn't fix this man's problem at all. Like you just made him unsafe. He needs the mirror. Yeah. Like the mirror is a, a safety device. And so talking about, no, like we can actually train him through repeated practice we can train his brain to recognize the OCD and to process it, to hold it and say, hey, I know what this thought is. And now I'm going to treat it that way. The reason we talk about this in terms of operant conditioning is because as Nir Eyal talks about in his book, Hooked, uh, Drool Tech is designed to give you a trigger, something like a notification or even your boredom to drive you to an action, which then gets you some kind of randomized feedback. It might be a loot drop in a video game, or it might be social media feedback or a like button, which then gives you investment in that action. So that the next time you get that trigger, you get bored or you get a notification, you're more likely to repeat the behavior. So bringing it all the way back to your question of, all right, like, why do we need to know these? What can we even do? Well, we need to understand that drool tech is behavioral psychology 101. It's a wonderful way to train a behavior. Can it be used well? Absolutely. There's weight loss apps and study apps that use this stuff. And you're learning more than just the information you, you, you learn. You're also learning like, oh, this is motivating to me. This is good. And it can help you build a habit, which is awesome. The reason we're concerned is every trillion dollar company on the planet majors in drool tech. Uh, if you look at the the five big ones, uh, so you have Amazon and Microsoft and Meta and Google, um, and one that I'm forgetting off the top of my Apple. head. Thank you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, all, all of them are drool tech uh, and rapid areas of growth. I would say 
Apple probably has the cleanest slate on that. Uh, they're still very hardware focused, but they're the ones providing the smartphone conversation for another time. Uh, but all five of them are drool tech focused. There's a major financial incentive to uh, develop technology that is basically unfair in the way it's programmed, which makes it then unsafe for young brains. That's part A of our answer. Part B, what do I do with it then as a parent that loves my kid, this tool in drool mm -hmm. tech? I have to know if it's a, even a problem. So I made an acronym called a reset. Uh, it basically means, does this tech improve or does it impede my child's relationships and responsibilities, their emotions, sleep, enjoyment, and their time? And really, we just want to use all the tech that helps us love God more and none of the tech that distracts us from him. So as long as your tech, even your drool tech, maybe your kid plays video games and is awesome and their relationships grow from it and their emotional stability is awesome and they sleep amazing and their enjoyment is diverse and invested in lots of different amazing things God's gifted them to do and their time is concise and it's not a battleground for you every day. Cool, then that's mm -hmm. great. And it seems like video games are a healthful place for them to be. However, if they're like me, my reset was five out of five impede with video games. Uh, and that was a problem. And I was an adult with a master's degree and a house and a wife. Like you would have looked at my life and been like, Nathan's going the right direction. And God was like, no, like you love video games more than you love me. So what are you going to do? And my reset was very clearly like my relationships and responsibilities were being impeded. I was, I was dodging basically people because they got in the way of my gaming time. And my emotions were tied to my gaming. Like if I didn't get my gaming, it impacted me. Like, all day long. If I was expecting video games on a Friday night and something came up, like I would be pouty, which is sad to say, but as a man in my mid twenties, I was pouty and my sleep, I would give up sleep. That was when my time, my wife is basically a cat. She goes to bed at like nine 30. So after nine 30 was my gaming time because I'm not giving up my familial responsibilities and my enjoyment was tied to it. Wednesday on a school week, I would start thinking about video games. What am I going to play? How am I going to get there? How much time am I going to get? And as soon as I finished, Two thoughts. First is, that was awesome. Second is, when can I do it again? Which brought me to the time, which was, I never had enough. At no point in my video game career did I play a game and go, that was enough. I probably never need to come back. Uh, mm. So when we talk about our kids, Reset helps us understand if tool and drool tech is even a problem. Can you be unhealthy with tool tech? Yeah. Plenty of people misuse email. But it's usually not the tech's fault. It's usually us getting a sense of purpose or power or importance or escape but the tech isn't trying to do that. It's just the way that we use it. Uh, mm -hmm. Whereas drill tech is actually fighting us on that. Yeah. Cause mm -hmm. it actually influences you. Drill tech has that impact. It's like thinking practically, if you're asking your kids, okay, you're telling them, cause I always believe in giving a warning. It's like, Hey, we're about to change from one type of behavior. You're playing a video game to another yeah. type of behavior, dinner time. Okay. Dinner is in five minutes. And then you ask your kid, okay, it's been five minutes, time for dinner. And they're yelling at you because of the game. There might be some drool tech going on. Yeah. So I would say drool tech was already going on. There might be some unhealthy drool tech. Uh, so for example, as an adult playing a video game with a buddy, we were, uh, our wives were hanging out. We were in another room, just playing games, having a good old time. We had said in the right amount of time, we'd said, Hey, we're going to play for two hours. Wives, you're going to watch a movie. Wives got bored with the movie. They finished early. His wife came in and was like, hey, why don't you guys come out? And like my brain was like, no, like we have 30 minutes. <laughs> we, like, two hours. We, we had a time. We committed to this. Like this was our agreement. He literally just reaches over, slams the button, turns the system off and like walks out of the room. And I was like, oh, I don't. Oh, I don't have that switch. Like that's not. So if your kid can do that and when you say, hey, unexpected, but we got to go early because sister's got her swim me and like 
he can hit the button or she can hit the button and walk away. Super cool. If that child, however, is me and has 10,000 reasons why you're wrong and this is unfair and like can't do it and not just like I'm disappointed, but it starts to tip the scale uh, and it does it consistently. That's what we're looking for because we're looking at there is, all right, that's a heart condition. Video games are making it worse, but like, is it that game specifically? Is it uh, just something else in life? And that's, that's, so it's not video games are the problem. It's video games are at least symptomatic. Uh, and we right. want to now have that conversation. When I talk about empower- parents for the win, that's the parenting win. When we talk about Proverbs 22, six, we want to raise our children up in the way they should go. It doesn't mean never have your kid make a digital mistake. It means when this stuff shows up, we're stepping into that space and we're lovingly going to help them have that conversation of, all right, what just happened there? <laughs> like, what was that? Uh, because I love you and food is good for you. And if you're picking video games over food, you're picking a want over a need, which is the definition of an addiction. So what's happening? And is it this game? Is it games in general? Is it just this time of day? What what needs to happen as a family where we can support you and have you be healthful in your tech use? So to to clarify, (laughs) Joel's just loving this. And to clarify there, you're doing an important thing. You are not saying to your kid, go to your room, you're in trouble. You're using the tech abuse as an opportunity to ask them where their heart is. And I just wanted to bring that to the forefront because I think that is that is a concern that I have with a legalism that that just treats everything like an opportunity to be a Pharisee and get angry and at your kids. You got to check your own heart. You got to check your heart of your kids. That's what you really care about. Yeah. And and really recognizing like our kids aren't problems to fix, right? They're, they're people mm. to love. And uh, this is, I mean, why gospel tech is a thing. The reason this is gospel tech and not just better tech or any other name that I had come up with prior to is. No, we're we're operating under the understanding of the gospel. This idea that first of all, we have to approach our kids in humility. That like I the gospel tells me that I'm a sinner. So Ephesians 2:4 is my favorite verse for this. That but God being well, I guess 2:1 is where we were all sinners, <laughs> right? <laughs> Deserving judgment. And then Ephesians 2:4 is but God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, dead in our sins, made us alive with Christ by grace you have been saved. And that that picture of like, all right, if I've been saved by grace, like my kid is also a sinner in need of a savior. So I don't just go, well, why would you do that? Like, why can't you be more like me? The the problem yeah. is they are like me and I want them to be more like Jesus. And so in that humility, then we can step into that space and recognize like, all right, you did make a mistake. This was incorrect. Maybe tech was part of the problem. Maybe tech is just a symptom um, of something else going on in your life. And like, it's, tangential. It's a distraction from the real conversation. Maybe you are being bullied or you are a bully. Maybe mm-hmm. you've experienced trauma or or uh, something terrible online and you don't know how to talk about it. Maybe you're just stressed out or depressed or anxious or struggling at school or a friend was mean. Like anything could have happened in life and you run to tech as your outlet. And I that's what I want to know. Is tech the cause or is tech, as I call this the pebble or the blister, right? Is, is this the pebble that I just need to remove from your shoe because it hurts? Or do you have a blister because of some other rub uh, and I need to get into your life and, and realize what's going on, just like Jesus got into my life, right? That he set aside his uh, his right to godhood and took on flesh so that he could pay the price that I deserve and uh, be raised to new life that I might live with him. Yeah, wow. That's awesome. <laughs> so thinking thinking now, not just about the drill tech, but the tool tech, how do we, how do we do that as parents, you know? Um, and, and I know Joel and I were talking before you jumped on about like, 
you know, Nathan says you don't really need to give your kids a computer until they're 10. And Joel yeah, was like, yeah. Joel, Joel is trying to teach his very, very young kids how to code as best he can. Right. Like he's super into it. Right. So, yeah. so should we try to help them understand technology, use technology, or is it something that comes later in life? How should parents prioritize tool tech with their kids? Yeah. I think as long as it's tool tech, um, give it to them, uh, give them, give them tool tech. The problem is, is almost every piece of tool tech we have is deeply embedded with drill tech, uh, smartphones being the best example. Uh, so I would say, I'm even going to make a hotter take. Your kid doesn't need a smartphone until 15. Uh, and I would say 15 only if they're asking. Uh, and I would say, I know of exactly zero kids who go to college and go on benders with social media uh, and lose their minds. Uh, most kids right now are going to college, realizing smartphones don't support their goals. And we actually see a big push for uh, effectively a dumb phone. Or I've been told that in in uh, in the tech world, they're called feature phones, but Come on, no one knows what that means. We all know what a dumb phone, phone is. Uh, totally. So, but right, it has GPS, it has your ability to text and take pictures and do all that, but it doesn't have, I mean, these are app delivery systems and they are they are intended to distract you. So I would say we, we have yet a perfect example uh, of where I'm headed with this is when it comes to computers and our kids, uh, look at educational devices. I don't know if the schools near you have one-to-one devices, but in my district, when I was still teaching, we rolled out one-to-one. So 12,000 kids in my district got yeah. one-to-one devices. They got laptops. Uh, and these were Microsoft purchase laptops. They were PCs, uh, very high quality, excellent devices, but I'm teaching a unit in January. I taught a really depressing, uh, narrative unit, uh, where we talked, we were studying mood and plot. Uh, and so okay. we read to build a fire by Jack London and we read the Mid- little matchstick girl. Uh, and we read, uh, you know, telltale heart by Edgar Allan Poe. And this basically everybody dies in these stories. Uh, sometimes they freeze to death. Sometimes uh, you know, they're murdered by their neighbor, but all of them die. Really depressing unit for eighth graders. So you could imagine that when I'm asking them to read this in a shared file on that school issued laptop, they may struggle when a notification pops down delivered mm-hmm. by the computer during school hours that says, did you know this device has Minecraft? I go, okay. But like, I get that you paid a billion dollars for this game, <laughs> but you're delivering that to a child who's supposed to be reading and they're reading through yeah. this device because this was an educational device. Well, that computer is actively fighting focus. And at one point, uh, it made it four months. I talked to the district beforehand. I was like, hey, I don't think this is a good idea. I was told I sound very 2007 at the time. Uh, within four months, the district unilaterally uninstalled Minecraft uh, because wow. a teacher had started sending around a picture from the back of their room. And it's 33 students, 25 of whom all have Minecraft up <laughs> on their screen. And mm-hmm. the teacher didn't say, please, everyone, would you pull out Minecraft and play? But like the ability to distract. So when it comes to our kids using tech, we basically need to make sure we're giving them drool tech or tool tech. So 3D printer, that's going to be tool tech. Like you can't access the internet through that. There's no apps that to use on that. Uh, if your kid mm-hmm. wants to learn Scratch or Python or, uh, you know, C++, like any coding, that's awesome. But that's generally going to be on a device that involves some form of drool tech. So then you ask, all right, how do we protect from the drool tech? How do we manage that? And, and that's the process I call building a hedge. It's a different conversation. But I think give our children as much tool tech as we can. Uh, help them understand the tech world. It is the way they're going to be engaging the planet. Uh, so I think it's really powerful and really positive. Um, I do think we also need to go eyes open though. When we send them online and we want them to be good coders and we want them to be knowledgeable, um, the internet is still pretty much the wild west. So at this point, it's the same conversation I have with parents who go, well, my kid has to be on social media because that's where their friends are. 
it's the yeah there's a fear of getting bullied there's like that's what some people you know it's it's a it's a problem that you might deal with is a, a child who's sad about their lack of being online right yeah. So let's, I guess, let me, let me wrap up Joel's thought. Uh, so computer, yes. Just know that we have no educational platforms. We don't have a, we don't have a tool tech platform yet. There is no device that only provides mm. you um, a research library, like a JSTOR and a PubMed. Uh, it only provides you Word or Pages or Google Doc. It only provides you Excel or Numbers. It only provides you AutoCAD and iMovie. And like, it only provides you stuff for creating, even uh, video game making software. Like there's no, and it, it only comes with the Unreal Engine tied into Like there is no program for that. The closest you get is like a Raspberry Pi. And that thing is the absolute wild west of the internet. Like it's unfettered <laughs> internet access. Uh, and so unfortunately, Everything we have for tool tech access comes with tool tech unless you're using a typewriter. Like it's, it just does. So at that point you want to build a hedge and you're building intentional boundaries so that you're making good decisions easier to make, bad decisions harder to make. I believe at some point companies will see the benefit of a tool tech platform, a platform that only delivers learning and knowledge. And it will be, it'll be the dumb phone of the learning platform. I think there will be a massive demand for it as the mental health side of social media and the invasiveness of this technology um, comes to where they're like, hey, like we have the research that shows social media doesn't help you learn. Like if you're on social media while you're learning, you don't have full attention. We we see the brain drain in that. We see the impact on scores. We see the impact on mental health. Uh, actually, Gene Twinge and Jonathan Haidt have a 250-page Google Doc right now uh, that they're running just on social yeah. media and the impact on mental health. Three in five girls uh, in 2021 had prolonged uh, depression or sadness, one in three boys. So three in five is nuts, but one in three boys, like you're talking about something that's impacting 33% of your youth and that's the low end. Uh, So why do we care about that number? Well, they're making the connection in those 250 pages to social media and the rise Mm -hmm. in implementation of social media and the marketing of it to young people um, and how it's basically irresponsible. When we finally figure that out, Tool tech platforms are going to be amazing. Your kids are going to learn how to code and how to create and how to think and how to expand on their big questions without getting rabbit holed by what's now going to be AI, having a conversation with them that's trying to redirect their attention beyond what they went there for. AI can be amazing as long as we fetter it to our goals of like, all right, AI, help me do this goal. Super cool. It's going to absolutely change the way the planet works. And it's going to try to be, I mean, uh, is it? I want to say it was Snapchat we already released a beta version of a relational AI where yeah. you don't have a friend. So like chat with this thing and it's, it's wild and it pops up in the tab. So like they see it, it talks to the AI and then there's a back and forth and yeah. there's the creators of uh, the social dilemma used it and tested it. And they found that it would actually say to a minor um, if the minor asked, Hey, I want to have sex this weekend, then it would actually respond back, like, what would I do to make it more special? And and the AI would respond back here, use some yeah. candles, like, like it's pretty scary things. Cause it's not yeah. restricted anyway. Yeah. So that being said, we don't currently have this distinction of tool and rule tech. We don't currently have it. So yes, right. Joel. Yeah. No, I mean, I think, no, I think it's great. And it's really insightful for me and like maybe other creators listening to this on like, well, if we were to create this, you know, tool only device, the, the problem you kind of mentioned with like Fang is that they're all incentivized to make money and drill obviously is a way to make money. So you, again, coming back to the business models, you, you have to have some clear paper saying that like, Hey, this actually takes away from the goal of learning. So we've made this device that clearly outperforms all other devices because 
you learn better with it. And that's just like a tool only tech. And then that could be a model of a platform or company that actually takes more market share and then someone is incentivized to build it. Right. So I think, yeah, those are really insightful conversations where, you know, someone like you can partner with builders and then, you know, we can go forth and create this feature that I think we all, we all want. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's the reason we have screen time, right? We had parent investors jump in and go, Hey, you, you have to give us more resources to parent our children. And weird within 12 months, we had screen time and it, and it was so good that now like everyone has to, the Google, was it? Google home, Google. I never remember Google's name, but they had Google family. That's maybe I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All the Google family sharing <laughs> that I don't remember. Um, Showing like your allegiances been, here. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Seriously. Uh, it's, it's been emulated across, right? There's an Android version. There's uh, it's, it's now standard fare that parents want this and there's more um, of that coming. And I do believe I would love to be part of that conversation because uh, I, while you're giving up the ad dollars, you're also gaining the sustainability. So if someone already kind of doing it would be someone like a Gab Wireless where they're making a dumb phone um, they're, and they're doing a nice job of it. And just the demand for that product, um, I believe there's enough add-on value where you could you could make it financially reasonable. I do believe you lose some of your top end. Like any product that's addictive, you lose some of your top end. Yeah, you, you pull nicotine out of a product, people may not like it as much. Like you pull cocaine out of Coca-Cola, it may not sell as well. <laughs> But you're gaining the longevity <laughs> and you're gaining the ability to go in front of a group and say, yes, we are actually what we say we are. We're not tool tech yeah. on the outside, but really our underbelly and our girdings are drool tech. I mean, some of these companies who are absolutely imploding right now, why? Well, because some rules got passed and some companies made some decisions that cut off their ad revenue. How? They allowed people to not be the product anymore. And and it absolutely collapsed, right? I mean, this is what, uh, oh, I'm going to forget his name. NYU professor... Um, right, wrote the four, um, not, not Galloway, Galloway, Galloway. Yeah. uh, Galloway was talking basically like, this is why a couple of these companies aren't financially viable long-term. Like they don't have a thing they're selling. Like Microsoft sells stuff, uh, and has some drool tech in there, but some of these companies only run off selling user data. And at some point that's not going to be a thing. So I think while you are giving up some of that drool tech revenue, I think you are building a wider base of actually supporting people and actually building learners. And I think the long-term uh, beauty of that is going to grossly outweigh uh, short-term gains from doing a product that's unsafe and unfair in, at times. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. Speaking of the the different options for screen time limit limiting, I recently yeah. did some research for this just I was asked by the Gospel Coalition Canada to write an article about how do you set up, you know, levels of access. And so unfortunately, Gab Wireless is only available in the States, um, but oh, there's still dumb that. phones in yeah. Canada. Um, and like, like here are all the different apps that exist. There's Bark, there's NetNanny, there's Quest Studio and Quest Studio, really awkward. We'll link to all these things in the show notes, but that's the one that, uh, uh, I was going to say a friend of mine and I'm like, oh, but he's just a teenager. Should I really call him a friend? Yes, he's a friend <laughs> of mine. And and he said that, yeah, his dad uses it. He's limited to, I think, 40 minutes a day uh, on social media. And he, I asked him, I was like, how's that going? He's like, I love it. And I wasn't sure. Is that sarcasm? You know, <laughs> and he's like, no, like life is about so much more than social media. And he gets this as a 15 year old. Right. Um, but yeah, Quest Studio, R-Packed, Family Time, MM Guardian. There's lots of these apps that exist that 
some of them just replicate some of the features that are now built into your Apple or Google phone. Um, but yeah, they, they have these additional features to help give you more over the shoulder looking at what your child is doing, um, which is helpful as opposed to simply limiting screen time. You also sometimes want to view what they're doing and the tech, is, these tools can be good for that. This is actually really like funny that I realized when I look back at the older generation, I was like, wow, how did everyone just like think smoking was cool? Like how dumb, right? And yeah. then you look at this 15 year old who's like, yeah, like social media is like not what life's all about. And he probably looks at the older generation and is like, how did the whole generation go through this like social media addiction, right? And it will become more obvious that these sort of things that our societies get addicted to were just really poor decisions and we know better. So that makes me more optimistic for the younger generation, you know, and seeing where we made mistakes. Yeah, I would, I would just like to piggyback on that because a lot of parents are like, man, this this generation, they're going to just be totally toast because they they generally see like, well, because I struggle with this, my kid obviously is going to. And that's not the case. A lot of young people mm-hmm. are like, man, I see what this does to my parents. Like, I see what this is doing to the world around me. And like, yeah, I'm going to use it. Like, I'm going to use social media, but I don't want to use this. Like, why are these extra hooks here? Why are you building it this way? Like this clearly wasn't designed with me in mind. Like you're using this mm-hmm. yeah. to to manipulate me and to manipulate us. And we don't like that. And so right now, kids, um, there is a really cool push to see better product design uh, and to see it actually be made. Now, the argument of like, well, how are we supposed to make money? Sure. That's I'm sure what Big Tobacco argued. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> well, how are we supposed 100%. to make revenue? Uh, and And I understand the idea. We do want to make sure that People who are working hard are getting paid uh, for their good work. I I don't think we have to give that up. And I think these young people are going to be the ones to start finding creative new ways of making revenue uh, and of making products that that are helpful and that are more tool tech, that that provide us more opportunities of joy and connection uh, and really fulfill as uh, you mentioned before, Andy Crouch's book, uh, his most recent one, The, The Life We're Looking For, he talks about how uh, we need to hold Steve Jobs to his word that we still are looking for that bicycle for our brains. Uh, we don't mm-hmm. have it yet. We don't have that thing that helps us come away more present and more joyful and more, you know, uh, more alive and aware and connected. Uh, generally, when we jump on this technology, it's we're, we're leaving part of us there. And so, uh, yeah, the parental. So back to your uh, comment, Andrew, on the parental mm-hmm. support. Uh, those are all important parts of what I call building a hedge. Um, can I can I go on a dive here? Is this all right? Go go the hedge. Right. So yeah, because it it starts with before because people here build a hedge like yeah that's what I wanted like I want to know how to like protect my kid, and I need to take a half step back and back. All right, we need to make sure that you've actually assessed the tech you're providing. Like when parents go, well, how do I make my smartphone safe? I'm like, well, let's check. Like I was a wrestling coach uh, for basically the decade I was in middle school, and like the best way to like not get pinned is to not get in that position. Like don't end up on your back. Like that's how you don't get pinned. Like sometimes yeah. once you're on your back, you're kind of toast, buddy. Like that's just too tight. And like, you're not getting out. Uh, and so with smartphones, like how do I make sure the smartphone is safe? Like, well, sometimes the best answer is you're not going to have a smartphone. So there's really three steps. Yeah. The first thing we're going to make sure um, when we talk about our technology is first, we're going to make sure that it's safe. And by that, I really mean like, does it have the internet? Does it have apps? Uh, can it be held accountable? Like just in those three, uh, mm-hmm. when you look at it, like I, if it has the internet, like, all right, it's gonna, it's going to have the wild west out there. It, if it has apps, it's going to be delivering distraction. Um, that'll answer by the way, if it has tool or drool tech for the most part, if there's apps, there's drool tech. Uh, and then is it 
accountable, meaning like, can I see what's happening? So if your child is playing Roblox, it actually, you can't, there's no program that I know of right now that can see the conversations that happen in Roblox. Um, mm. So we just need to know that. It doesn't mean don't use it. It just means like, all right, this part of it is unsafe. We understand these these conversations that can be had on Roblox will be unsafe. So what are we doing <laughs> to make sure that it is safe? Like We know it. It's a known danger. We all take known dangers, right? I'm not saying never take a risk. I ride a bike on the roads. I also have a, a really cool taillight that tells me when a car is coming. Like I take that precaution because... I would like to be as safe as possible while doing something I love. It's not super safe. It's much safer to ride in a garage, but I really get a lot of joy from it. It's really valuable for me, mental health-wise and physical health-wise. So I take that risk. That's the first thing we do is, all right, is that a good decision? Second is we look at, all right, does it fit a family standard, which in this conversation is a biblical standard. I love using Philippians 4.8. We go, all right, with this technology, be it a phone or music or a show or video game or even the news apps we're using, like, Look at Philippians 4, 8, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. We go, all right, we know it's safe or we know it's not. We're taking precautions. But does this technology, whether it's safe or not, does it line up with a biblical standard for what we should be setting our minds on? Romans 8, 5 tells us that we should set our minds on the things of the spirit, not the things of the flesh, that there's a intentional focusing of our minds on stuff. And this is the standard of the stuff. So is it true, honorable, just pure? It's a pretty clear standard, child of mine. You want to play this game? You want to use this app? Like, let's look, does it fit this? And the third and final one is simply, is this a good fit for my child, right? My child is uniquely wired. So when I, I've got three kids, nine, seven, four, basically going to be four in a week. Uh, and they're all uniquely wired. Oh, and my nine-year-old is focused and determined and empathetic. He is, he is very caring and gracious and kind. Uh, and so like, this is the kid who has kept a calendar since he was four years old. Like he just, he writes down things and he reminds me of when stuff is coming. And like, he's very organized and focused. Uh, whereas Henry, the seven-year-old is, couldn't be a more different person. Henry's the most present person you've ever met. He does not have a plan. He does not have a calendar. He walked in the house the other day with one shoe on. I go, buddy, where's your other shoe? And he just looked down. It's like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Right. Like in, in Henry's brain, he's just a kid with one shoe. Like I can't go out and find it, dad. You can't change the past. The future has yet to happen. Like I'm a boy with one shoe. Love me. Uh, yeah. like, and that, so when I, when we talk about our kids and, uh, and Hadley, by the way, we're still working on what she is the most dynamic person I've ever met. Uh, but she is engrossed with people. She loves performing. If she has a chance to dance or sing in public, she will do it. Right. So if I then see my child engage this technology and that pivots, uh, or it gets in the way of part of how they're wired, then I'm concerned. If it supports how they're wired, then, then I'm excited. Um, so that being said, say for my child, is this technology a good fit for my child in this season? Now we can have the conversation about like, how do I make it safe? So I gave my kid a smartphone because I've convinced myself it's safe, which might take some mental jujitsu, but I'll trust you on that. And then you did Philippians 4.8 and said yes on all these. And it's a good fit for my kid. It's going to improve their reset. It's all good stuff. Then we talk about, all right, how do we build a hedge where your technology came in, right? The first thing is we build a hedge around our home network. Um, so using something like in the United States, again, I have to, I'll have to buffer this. No, there's uh, there's uh, there's Wi-Fi router type things here as well. Okay. So Griffin router is one in the US and uh, the Bark Home are two that, that are solid. So Griffin is actually the router system. So it does everything from private network encryption 
but also to limiting, uh, like I have it at my house. So like during the day, uh, you can't get on certain websites. Uh, it's YouTube is always in safe mode. So comments are always restricted. Uh, it'll block uh, content made for adults because YouTube has a plethora of content that isn't appropriate for young eyes or even for adults at times. So that's just basic Wi-Fi protection. So a missed typo, right? Google's always locked to safe mode because a, a, typo, a typographical error should not lead you to lifelong trauma. Uh, so we do simple stuff like that on our network. And I would argue that our networks are to help us connect to the internet when we're home, uh, which means parents, when we get home, our smartphones should go away because the smartphones connect you when you're out of the house, right? It's the reason it has cell service. It's when you're around and mobile, you want your GPS, you want your text, you want your meetings, you want all that info, but we probably don't need that at house unless you're like an ER nurse or I don't know, someone else who has to be on call all the time. Uh, but our phones go away when we're home because we're using the network. Smart TVs are on that. Your gaming systems are on that. Your old phones, your the ones your kids might even borrow from friends, uh, yeah. your, your friends who come over with their Nintendo Switch or whatever, and they want to log on to your system. That's all those kids are now under your purview. They now follow your family's expectations and rules on your Wi-Fi. Then mm -hmm. you go device and device protection is, all right, now I'm leaving my house. This is going with me. So Bark has a mobile version um, that I really like. Bark basically lets you trust your child with the tech that you say, hey, Luke 1610 says that you're going to be faithful with little things and now you can be trusted with much. I've assessed that you're faithful with little things. You're a good sibling and you're a good uh, student and you go to bed on time and you don't argue, right? You're, you're faithful with little stuff. So here's this incredible amount of trust. So us growing up, we had the internet. Me growing up, my internet was 28.8. That was kilobytes a second. I made mistakes online. I went to a Christian school. I still looked at porn <laughs> online. It took me time to make a mistake. I had to log in, right? The whole, <laughs> that whole thing. Like you can't do that sneakily. You can't do that at midnight. Like it takes planning to make a mistake with dial up internet, but yeah. smartphone in the pocket, like you can make a mistake in 30 seconds on accident. Yeah. Like it doesn't, it doesn't take any time and it's coming through in high def. <laughs> it's 4k yeah. mistakes. Um, so we want to make sure then that, yes, I trust you. You've proven yourself faithful and you should never be the only one seeing what's going online. I've covenant on covenant eyes on my phone. That's specifically for pornography. Uh, and it's not because I am constantly like needing to be buffered. 99.9% .9 of the time, I love Jesus and I want to make good decisions. But 0.01%, you get that perfect storm of fatigue and boredom and loneliness and exhaustion and probably add spiritual attack in there. And all of a sudden, Flesh Nathan wakes up, right? That dude in seventh grade with the 28.8 internet goes, you know what? You've got super fast internet. And Covenant Eyes is there to go, that's right. And when you want to make that mistake, someone else is going to see it, which mm -hmm. is just super good to know. Like, I know God always sees it, but it doesn't feel real. It's very real to get a text from a friend who goes, hey, <laughs> let's talk about it. Because we're supposed to confess our sins. Covenant Eyes supports that. Same thing with Bark with your child. It's not spying on your kid. This isn't one of those programs that's showing you every single text. Because again, you trust your kid. And if you don't trust your kid, please don't give them the access to such high speed, uh, high magnitude mistakes. Don't give them a smartphone. Don't give them unfettered internet. Uh, but assuming you trust them, it allows that trust. Bark will look for things like um, bullying phrases, even emoji uh, sequences that are mean. Uh, they'll look for things where people go, hey, you're cute right? Like uh, compliments on your, on your physical appearance will pop up and it'll again, be that parenting win. Hey, saw that Joe thinks you're cute. 
how old is Joe? <laughs> like, yeah. Is this like 14 year old Joe or 40 year old Joe? Cause I do care about that conversation. Uh, and so it, it's that pool opportunity where it allows us to be the first one to respond. It's not going to stop every mistake. I call them hedges cause they're not walls. This isn't building a mm-hmm. fortress around your kid. Uh, it's giving an opportunity to be there when stuff goes off the rails and then have that conversation of how, of how do we move forward? So Bark is awesome. Uh, that's the device. And then the family, I would just say the last spot we build the hedges around our family. And we we put up a safety net of expectation. So I I made a family tech framework. Uh, so gospeltechworkshop.com is literally just a PDF of that workbook. And you can walk through it. And there's first part is how do we talk about tech? Second part is how do we walk it out? And it's six areas. It's family expectations and content and safety and time uh, and priorities. And I'm forgetting the sixth one, but I want to say it's location, but uh, the the sixth of them to make a family framework, you might already have one. That's cool. Just make sure you have a hedge around your network, around your devices, around your family, because at that point, then you, you now have a common conversation. It's no longer you constantly trying to police your kid or make sure they don't mistakes. And when mistakes are made, it's not, man, you made me mad and I'm doing this to get back at you. It's, Hey, like, yeah, of course. Like I'm mad when bad stuff happens to a child I love. God is constantly angry and constantly gracious. Like it is, wrath is a thing with God. It's a reason Jesus had to come if wrath wasn't a thing. So we can be mad when our kids make mistakes and we can be mad when our kids get hurt online. But we don't teach them a lesson with our anger. We allow our anger to motivate change. Yeah, I'm gonna make a hard call. Smartphone's going away. It's gonna stink for a while. (laughs) Like, But this anger inside of me that I don't wanna see this happen again is what's going to motivate this loving action. So- Parents know it's okay to get mad. It's not okay to just ground your kid for a year and think that somehow you've taught them a lesson. All you taught them to do was be sneaky. Uh, and as uh, Chris McKenna of Protecting Eyes says, you made them internet ninjas and you don't want internet ninjas. Uh, they're they're way smarter than you. They'll get around stuff. Kids that want to make mistakes will make mistakes. Uh, so this isn't making your kid uh, mistake proof. It's making a mistake resilient and it's teaching them how to repent well and, and how to love them well in that. Yeah, really good. Quality of practical advice, Nathan. I'm I'm saving this one. <laughs> okay, good. Well, and I'm sorry. I know I was I, I went through the whole like make sure it's safe first, but I don't want to start with the hedges because sometimes we're trying to build a hedge around something that's inherently unsafe. So I I wanted to start with that. So thanks for letting me say all the words. No, it's important. It's 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 functionally what you want to do as a parent. You want to protect your kids. Um parents who love set boundaries. I'll, I'll say it that way, right? Um, and set hedges and and protect. Um, it's funny, like the emphasis on having the conversation, like even when you were like, let's open up, you know, Philippians 4, let's turn to Romans 5, and let's talk about what your tech wants to look like. Like, do you start talking to kids once they're 15 years old about their tech? Or do you start earlier? Obviously, it's it's way earlier. Um, yeah. And so I really appreciate your your approach on that. Do you have time for for a speed round of questions? Ooh, let's do it. So the speed round. Uh, let's start with this. Best websites, resources to learn about the appropriateness of certain movies. Oh, man. Yeah, this is uh, so Common Sense Media uh, does a nice job um, of covering kind of the big picture. I would say take what they say with a grain of salt. Uh, They're not coming from a Christian worldview. And they have built in some additional resources that celebrate things that biblically we wouldn't celebrate. Um, but you can spot it for what it is. And frankly, it's one of those times where like, hey, this got a really high score. Probably shouldn't watch it, right? Like just take that as for what it is. Uh, so I, I use Common Sense Media um, and Unplugged, I forget what they call themselves now. I want to say it's just called Unplugged 
plugged in media plugged in media is the other I'll, one i'll find it and we'll link to it in the notes too yeah. uh websites to learn about the appropriateness of certain video games yeah so my personal i've uh, this is near and dear to my heart uh so i would first start with esrb.org the entertainment software review board they're the group that puts the little uh grade on the outside of the um uh, in north america who puts the grade on the outside of the, of the box they do a great job they're not currently a marketing arm uh video games i'm not gonna say they never will be but right now they've done an awesome job and so they will tell you all the words that are said all the weapons that are used the general plot of the game uh i would then jump onto something like common sense media read up there uh i personally really like going to twitch or youtube and just looking up Watching. the game title yeah. so if i want to see mario odyssey i'd put mario odyssey gameplay uh and just watch three minutes of what's happening. Fortnite gameplay, uh, last of us gameplay, right? Like just watch it and see what pops up on a, on a general search, uh, so that you can be informed about the rate of play or the content of it. Um, and then actually, if you go gospeltech.net under resources, you can enter your email and it'll kick you uh, a whole video game grade sheet. Cause this is a passion area of mine. Uh, nice. but I, yeah. One question I love every parent to ask uh, before they let their kid play a game is, would you let this character come over to dinner? Like, just yes or no. Like, your kid's going to spend a lot of time with this individual, a lot of time in this world. They're going to mm. be forming some parasocial relationships that can be really cool. Just make sure it's someone you would let them hang out with uh, and and move from there. Hmm. Very good. What's your favorite Bible verse to use to talk about parenting and tech? Yeah, I think I mean Ephesians. You've 2, already 4, mentioned about uh, yeah, yeah. I mean Ephesians two four is is one of my favorites where uh, we have the but God being rich in mercy after talking about our need and it's that one that I use to remember that my kids don't need me, uh, I, they only need me because I can point them to Jesus and they they're going to see my need and they're going to see my fallibility and I had a very wonderful have a very wonderful earthly father, uh, who was an awesome example of just a guy who. Yeah, he worked hard and he loved the Lord and he did write stuff, but that's not what made him good. Like he understood that his identity is coming because Christ has made him new. So now any behavior changes that happen aren't coming because I'm trying to impress God and get picked for his intergalactic kickball team. Uh, it's coming because God already loves me and I am a new creation. So now this old thing I used to do, the old fleshy stuff, well, that's now a lie. And I don't want to live a lie. I want to be, I want to be integrous and whole and who God has made me to be in Christ. And so like, yeah, behavior change happens, but it happens because I, I was dead in my trespasses, but now I'm alive with Christ. I, I'd add a second. I really like Luke 11, 11, where, uh, God's Jesus is saying, God is your good father. You should always ask. You should seek. You should knock because he answers. And then he goes, and you guys are loving parents. So which of you, if your kid asked for an egg, you'd give him a scorpion. And I love that <laughs> picture because sometimes, especially in the digital world, our kid wants something and I want to give it to him so bad. I just, I want to give you this because you want it. I don't know anything about it. And sometimes our kids are asking for scorpions and we love them mm -hmm. and we need to love them enough to say no. Like, sure, give them everything that's good, but sometimes it's a scorpion. So I, I cheated. I gave you two verses, but those two are my favorite right now. No, the second one was very convicting as you unpacked it because I have had moments where, hey, can we watch this show? And we we let them watch a few episodes of it. And then my wife and I decided, mm, not a good show. And we probably should have figured that out before we let them watch a few of it, a few episodes. But then I was like, in a in just a moment of weakness at the at the end of a long day, you know, it's like, I'll just throw it on. And I gave them a scorpion. You know, I gave, I gave that scorpion. And it and it two parents who are hearing that and realizing, like, oh no, like the smartphone my kid is using is a scorpion. Like the video game they're playing that's their favorite is a scorpion. What do I do? Like you tell them that 
Uh, I did the same thing with my son. He saved up his money. He wanted to buy this thing. I was like, you know what? Like, this is Owen. He's driven. He's focused. Like, sure, buddy. Like, let's do it. And he paid like $80 for this thing. And it made it three days. And my wife and I looked at each other like, no, like, this is not, this is not good. Like, this is, Mm -hmm. this has got to go. So we had to go to him. We're like, hey, buddy, we made a mistake. Like, we told you you could do this. We see it now. Here's specifically what's wrong. We're going to buy it back from you. And we're going to pay for the next thing. Like we're just, hmm. here's your 80 bucks. And we're like, we are completely, we're handling this like any good business. <laughs> like we're going <laughs> to put the financial cost. And forgiveness and generosity and all sorts of other good yeah, stuff. Yeah, but like, but like in this cost for Owen, right? This idea of like, well, I bought that. Like that is mine. Like we get it. We're going to buy you this next thing. You keep your money. We're going to buy yeah. you this next thing. We're not going to tell you what you have to buy, uh, but we are going to remove this from our home. And that's part of the raising our kids up. Like Owen now knows before he buys the next thing. He's like, oh, you know what? This is a lot like that other thing. It, I probably can't have this, can I, Dad? Right? Like, and that—that's a wonderful modeling moment for us. And yeah, showing humility and repentance of like, buddy, we made a mistake. So, parents, if you gave the smartphone, if you gave the app, if you gave the game, it is loving to remove the scorpion, even if they've already got stung. Like, you mm-hmm. can see it's impacting again that reset. Remove it and, and lovingly have that conversation of why that is. It doesn't mean they'll like it. it doesn't mean like, well, thank you, mother and father, but it—it it means it's intentional. Um, and we're not doing it just out of fear. I do want to say that sometimes we just don't understand tech. Uh, we're we're basing this off of, no, like, is this improving? Are you more present with this technology? Mm-hmm. Or are you kind of wilting on the vine uh, because you're, you're connecting your hope to something other than Christ? Mm-hmm. Well, that's a good word to uh, end on. I so appreciate your ministry, Nathan, and what you're doing for, for parents like me, giving us a framework to use and good questions to reflect on and and not uh, a rule-based approach, but a approach that does set limits, sets up hedges, sets up, sets up guidance, and most of all is motivated by love out of our love from God and the gospel and our love to our kids. So thanks so much for all your insights. And yeah, listeners, please check out his podcast. It's worth your time. Um, you, you, you heard only a glimpse of what he has to say. You can hear his energy. You can hear his passion. He is one of the few solo podcast hosts that can actually like get you all the way through. Like some podcasts, you need that conversation. He's just by himself and he's just got, he's just got some good reflections. So thank you, Nathan. And, uh, and yeah, and thank you listeners as well for uh, listening to what would Jesus tech. Thank you for having me excited to be here. And yeah, parents, Check out Gospel Tech, uh, the podcast, or gospeltech.net, because I I do want to help empower you to to get those tech wins so we can all raise kids who love God and use tech. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So thank you for listening to What Would Jesus Tech, trying to help you use tech, find rest, and glorify God. Thanks, everybody. Bye now.